a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble host, Mike Gergoni, and joining me, as always, the unwilling Jawas on my Imperial road trip, it's John Campbell. Hello, everybody. Oh, that's right. Choo-choo, everybody, because we're hopping aboard the Jawa Express this week. <laughs> what is that accent? Oh, is it's that your, Is man. that your Jawa accent? That's my Jawa. That's what the Jawas sound like. <laughs> We're gonna be scrapping for parts. <laughs> I, I I want to meet one Jawa who speaks like galactic basic, and that's yeah. what he sounds like. Yeah, like all the others are going, oh teeny. And then mm -hmm. you've got one that's just going, Hello everybody. Step <laughs> <laughs> right up, get your droids. He's a fucking carnival barker for some reason. <laughs> right here, right here, fresh droid parts. Uh. <laughs> yes, uh, all aboard the Jawa Express because oh, we are covering boy. Star Wars number 32 today from 1977's run of Marvel Comics Group's present Star Wars. Uh, we've got a lot of the same creative team as before. Yep. This particular issue came out in February of 1980. Mm. We're in the 80s now, John. The 80s, and you can really feel it. No, you have uh, Yeah. But uh, Archie Goodwin on writing, Carmen Infantino on pencils, Bob Wyacek on inks, Petra Goldberg on colors, and John Costanza on the letters. Press which we also have to credit a certain Jim Shooter. And I want to talk about this briefly because it's been a constant complaint over the last few episodes slash issues. Yes. And that is the coloring of Ch one Chewbacca the Wookiee. Ah, Yes. And I think starting in this issue, we noticed it last issue, but I think starting here and going forward, there has been a shift in how Chewbacca is consistently colored that alleviates the weird ape face that we've complained about in it, the past. It makes a massive difference. And I have to wonder who made that call and whether or not we should be thanking Jim Shooter for that. Well, here's the thing about Jim Shooter. It is very, if you're a comics nerd like us, then Jim Shooter has this reputation. But it's like, he did, like, come in and fix things for the better initially. Like, he, the, the, Marvel Comics would have been in trouble if not for Jim Shooter. Now, the problem is, and what a lot of writers say, and I think I quoted that one time. I can't remember who that was who said, like, the problem with Shooter is he stayed too long and kept trying to innovate. But it's like he did steer them back onto the rails as a successful company. It's just then he was like, well, if my big ideas worked here, more big ideas. And then that took them <laughs> off the rails. But it's like, yeah, he kind of came in at a time when they needed fresh creative blood following sort of the post-Stan Lee, you know, running the ship era. And for the better. And then, because we're still several years, a couple years out from Secret Wars, which is... Of course, when he's going to hit his... I mean, Secret Wars 1, as silly as it is, changed comics forever and was like the biggest thing for Marvel. Secret Wars 2 is where he loses his goddamn mind. 
Well, it's a classic story of live long enough to see yourself become the villain, right? Yeah, I think that's definitely the thing is like our we we are always left with that bad taste of the end of Shooter's run. But it's like <laughs> actually Shooter was very good for the company initially. It, it's tough right. to remember that. And just as a reminder for those who maybe aren't as deep in the lore as we are, Jim Shooter is, of course, at this time, editor-in-chief at Marvel. Yes. Um, and, yeah, kind of assumed the reins after a period of chaos uh, following Stan Lee's departure from the company. Yeah, once Stan in- Lee left on sort of running the place day-to-day, um, Roy Thomas takes over for a little while. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, in all respect to the great Roy Thomas, but it was sort of like he was the protege of Stan Lee, but it became very clear very quickly he he wasn't Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Jim Jim Shooter though comes in in uh, uh, was it I think seventy eight he ends up taking over the company. Oh, I mean, we talked about it in a previous episode because it happens right after this comic starts, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's this comic like kind of represents this weird bridge period in Marvel comics. And so it's been interesting to follow the history of Marvel along with this book. Well, cause what happens basically, I'm looking at this again, it's sort of like Roy Thomas steps down uh, because mm-hmm. he's like, I'm really a writer. I can't run this company. And then they basically try out Len Wein, Marv Wolfman, Jerry Conway, and Archie Goodwin all like, kind yeah. of try the job before they land on Shooter. Because it's it's a weird thing. Just because you're a good comics writer doesn't mean... Or even if you're a good comics editor, doesn't mean you can be the editor-in-chief of the entire company. Right. Even while we've been reading this book, we've seen Roy Thomas as the primary writer on it. Right. And that was, at the time, something he was just doing to help keep the company afloat because they yeah. needed a book that sold well. So right. they took this weird random property, whatever a Star Wars is, and we'll make a comic book right. about it. But, like, here's the thing. Uh, Shooter was, as they say, nine years of editor-in-chief. And this is what people tuned into ShooterCast for. Um, no, but, <laughs> but, but I think it's key for the thing, because we do mention him a lot. But, like, under Shooter's uh, reign, you have Claremont and Burns, X-Men, Frank Miller's mm-hmm. Daredevil, Walt Simonson's yep. Thor, Roger Stern's Avengers, and Spider-Man runs. So, I mean, it's like a lot of the most iconic comics were at least signed off on by Jim Shooter. Yeah, 100%. But so fucks up the company at the end of his run that we as comic book fans are always like, oh, fucking Shooter, am I right? He he put Marvel in a position to be bought by a toy company. Yeah. He also... <laughs> and he also was prickly. I think that's a key thing, yeah. too, is people didn't like the guy. Um, he didn't have a great relationship with a lot of the creators. So I think that's also... We react a lot to the John Burns and stuff going like, I hate that man. (laughs) Well, it doesn't help that we have a textual document of him writing himself as a literal God, rewriting the universe he was in charge of. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And that is Secret Wars 2, for those who don't know. And by the way, it is John Byrne who was the guy I was quoting earlier who said, like, uh, he was the guy they needed, and then he just stayed too long and kept trying to innovate. Yeah, and eventually uh, John Byrne famously abandons Marvel under Shooter's run to go work at DC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, which is how we get his Superman run, right? Yes, that's exactly it. Which is still my favorite Superman run, but you know, I mean, it all, it all worked <laughs> out. But but that's also Frank Miller, same thing, and that's also where yeah. we get Dark Knight Returns. So it's like 
Yep. You can still argue that even shooter shitty stuff led to really amazing classic comics, but you know, whatever. <laughs> anyway, back to something that is far from a classic comic. I don't hear much people talk about the the iconic Jawa Express issue. Yeah, let's talk about the Jawa Express. Boy, let's let's start with this cover here. This cover is uh, something, man. It is really something. It's rolling, and not even the Empire can stop it. It's the Jawa Express. I know they. It's like, are you guys really trying to like make this a thing? <laughs> it feels like it because this is one of the one of one of the most like energetic covers they've had. Join Luke, Han, and Chewie on the Jawa Express. <laughs> if you're not watching us on YouTube, you can't see me doing the arm pumping yeah, honk the horn that, motion as I yeah. say Utini. But look, here comes all of our heroes. They're they're running in front of a sand crawler, blasting away, including their Jawa buddies who are right beside them, blasting away as well. Which doesn't really happen in this issue. If anything, we'll talk about the moral ambiguity of what Han, Luke, and Chewie do to these Jawas. Yeah. Because they're in a real shady gray area in terms of well, Jawa vehicle uh, ethics. Yep, and also we're going to really get more into uh, the autonomy of droids and whether or not they're people, because uh, at a certain point, yeah, we'll get into that. There's some weird This stuff. book seems to posit no. No. <laughs> no, they are just... In members. fact, 3PO seems to posit that yeah, they're that, not. That's the biggest thing is even the droids themselves are like, we're just things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. Again, that last haunting line from 3PO from the holiday special Nothing always will. comes back to me. Nothing will. By the way, as of the release of this, I haven't watched it yet, but I do now have the documentary about the holiday special. Ooh, awesome. That's finally out, yeah. It just came out, so I'm I'm probably going to watch that later tonight. Uh, cool, cool. Very excited about that. Been waiting. Um because I can All right, let's watch that instead of the special. All right. Um, <laughs> I recommend that. <laughs> yeah. But I want to talk uh, about even, look at this. There's a logo for the Jawa Express. This looks like something that would be painted on the side of a truck, and I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm currently having that painted on the side of my car, actually. Um, and you just know if this was like... At a bus stop somewhere, the express part would be in neon. It looks like that. You can see where the outline is just like... Zzz, zzz. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Jawa <laughs> Express. Because we open on dawn on the Dune Sea. Yeah, we got some speeder troubles here as we meet our heroes. Last we left our heroes, they were hightailing it out of Mos Eisley with the Empire on their tail. Uh, Luke was on a mission here to find some spice freighters to act as yeah. blockade runners for the rebellion. Yeah. Uh, Han and Chewie just happened to be here, I guess. They had, <laughs> and they'll mention this a few times, they had, once again, turned in Jabba the Hutt for a reward? No. So what happened is okay. they dropped Jabba the Hutt with one T off at home. Uh, presumably he lives next door to Jabba the Hutt with two T's. And then he paid them because they talk about yes. having money. So wait, they th yeah, that's this is what gets me. They go from owing Jabba the Hutt money to him giving them money. Well, because he saved they saved him from all right. of those cave bugs. But I like the idea that like that was whatever the value of saving Jabba the Hutt with one T was more than it wasn't like we're just going to wipe the debt clean. It's like no, you've done more than what you owed me. I actually need to pay you a little more. Well, look, if there's anyone who's going to be doing arithmetic on life debts, it's yeah. Chewbacca the Wookiee. It's, 
<laughs> he pulls out his little half glass. Of the by my He's got his green visor. Yeah. Pulls out the ratcheting uh, teller machine. Yeah, I see right here. That's about $800 in our favor. Um. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't trust a Wookiee's math on life debt, then I yeah. don't know what we're doing it's here. It's kind of their thing. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, uh, I do like Han saying, kid, what we got here is a sick land speeder. Um, no shit, Han. There's smoke pouring out of it, and it's like mostly buried in sand. And he's like, yeah, I guess it's broken. So fun thing about this land speeder here that we see shown yeah. is, and it's something we commented on last issue as well, but I think I had to double check. This is not the sand speeder we see in the movie. No. It is like vaguely similar, but it is in shape. But specifically, this is the speeder as presented by Kenner Toys. Uh, <laughs> this is exactly what my speeder looked like as a kid. A hundred percent. That bubble field, those three engines, this rounded mm -hmm. front. I know I played with this so much as a kid. The specific giveaway for it, and it's what got me thinking about it in the beginning with, is how the seats are lined up inside ah. the speeder itself. Because they're separated by that console in the center. And I was like, I don't think that's a thing in the movie. And I went back and looked. And, it, and it's kind of there, but they're mostly bucket seats in the movie. Ah, yes, yes. No, this is exactly what the toy looked like is is right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I find that interesting. But once again, Han is offering nothing. He's just going like, ah, it's broken. And if we don't get out of here soon, the sons are going to cook us. Because remember, there's two of them. Yeah, remember, sons, plural. And then I love Chewie just sitting on the hood of the thing. And 3 be on a pose of like, whoa, whoa, Chewie, just be careful, man. Look out, <laughs> just, okay. Well, look, 3PO has not had the best of luck when it comes to rolling around on the dune sea of Tatooine. Doesn't 3PO at a certain point just have to be like, how the fuck did I end up back here? <laughs> well, unless we forget, of course, this is not the case in this, as this is being written, but like, this is where 3PO was built. Yes, that is, that's true. I just 3PO just keeps ending up back on this desert world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And once again, we've we've brought up why is three PO here on this mission? Doesn't to seem like he would translate be. into smugglerees. I guess. I guess <laughs> that's the thing. It's just like because that's what people would want. Yeah, sure. And look, if if Luke's going to be rolling around uh, as a guy out in the galaxy, he needs a couple of. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern droid motherfuckers rolling with him. That's kind of what the comic posits basically is. They are just Luke's sidekicks. That is yeah. what they offer to the rebellion. Wherever Luke goes, those two go as well. Regar I mean, like sure. R2 actually, that is the case. And But R2's, most astromech droids go with their pilots from place to place. That makes sense. They have a purpose reserve. 3PO is just a detriment in most missions. Well, and R2 is like the Swiss army knife of droids, yes, right? Like exactly. he's got a little probuscus for whatever you need him to do. Well, spoiler, he will do nothing in this, but... Um, well, look, if anything, he'll get strapped to the back and be turned off for most of the issue, but... <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about how much of this, the these droids are just shut down, further adding to why are they here. Um, yeah. Well, if they weren't here, they wouldn't be able to get out of this jam, because on this next yeah, page, okay. uh, we figure out that Luke, the little grease monkey is that he is, yeah. uh, is fixing up. He thinks he can get it going, but yeah. the real problem they're running into here uh, is that they are out of coolant. 
So yeah. even if the engine is repaired, uh, they leaked enough coolant that it would just overheat and break again if they got it up and running. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and I love, once again, Luke is doing all this work and Han is supervising. Look, that's if there's one thing Han Solo's great at, it's watching and looking cool and collected while other people are doing the hard work. <laughs> yeah, just it, Han's the guy who's going like, <clears throat> I wouldn't use that wrench. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to help? No, no. Do whatever you want, you know. Uh, and then in the meantime, what's this? A distinct north? Chewie detects a disturbance in the north. <laughs> I do like this thing where it's just like they're working on the thing, they're having this conversation, and then just this little interlude with Chewie where he's like, "Huh? Danger abound." He smells something on the wind, and he goes up over a rise, and what's this? A an entire sweeping patrol of stormtroopers and dewbacks rolling mm -hmm. across the dune sea. Uh, what he sees in the distance through shimmering heat is nothing to gladden a Wookiee's heart. That's true. If there's two things Wookiees don't like, it's imperialistic fascism and lizards. Yep. That's that, that's well established. But this is another thing where it's like... You, I, I, you thought I was joking, John. No. In fact, the, the long-standing rivalry between Wookiees and Trandoshans goes back generations. Oh, well, of course. Who could forget? I'm, I'm not even I joking. I can. I can forget. I, I probably just <laughs> never do that. Um, I, I believe you, though. Uh, of course. Um, that sounds about right. But, uh, no, I, I, this is another thing, though, where it's like... This is very comics of this era. It's like... I think if we see Chewie go over a ridge and and then we cut we like have this shot of all these stormtroopers, we don't need to know that it upsets Chewie in words. <laughs> I think we can assume he knows that's trouble. Um and then we get Han uh and 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 then we get Han and Le uh, Han and Luke to confirm indeed that is trouble. <laughs> well, what what if uh Chewie was lying to him? <laughs> what? <laughs> What a, a, a patrol of Imperial Troops. I gotta see this for myself. I can't take Chewie's word on this. You know, Chewbacca the Wookiee, famous liar. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't trust him. <laughs> Constantly <laughs> lying to people. It's a huge problem, actually. Um, <laughs> this is another one of your gags. Um, nope, there they are. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah. And, and then I love uh, Luke just being like, sorry, Han, I keep pulling you into this shit, man. And he's not wrong, but he is cut off by 3PO really, really kind of downplaying the argument that droids are people too. When he uh -huh. says, you could always shut us down, drain R2 and I of fluid, yep. coolant. Uh, yeah. Sorry, it's a very vampiric it is. thing going on here. It's very bizarre. Dra drain us of our liquids. Basically, is what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it turns out this is R2's idea because he says, pipe down, R2. You'll get credit for the idea at the proper time. Yeah. So, like, R2 is the one who's like, shut us down, man. Bleed us dry. Yeah. Then, then, <laughs> then you can get out of here. <laughs> and then, so they are off. They have turned off their friends. Um, and yeah. R2 strapped to the back of the speeder, unconscious. For all intents and purposes, dead 3PO still in the passenger seat. Yeah. <laughs> so disturbing to think. There's just a turned off 3PO just sitting there with no life in him next to Luke. So, yeah. 
here's the constant struggle with Star Wars droids, right? It's yep. like, okay, they have personality matrices, whatever that is. Yeah. They have something that replicates a sapient intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. They are self-aware. They can be like... Their programming goes so deep to the point where it's almost like miraculous how right. much of a personality right. they can have. Yeah. And yet, <laughs> and yet, yeah, and yet, a lot of them are just fine with being treated as machines because they recognize themselves as that. Turn me off, man. If that's what needs to happen. There's a scene in. A New Hope, where 3PO's like, eh, if you don't need me, I'm just going to shut off for a little yes! while. Yes! There's also the scene in Empire where Han gets upset with him and tells Leia to turn him off, to shut him up, and she just does it. There's like, that's <sighs> enough out of this guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it's something that has been off-discussed in the, the realms of Star Wars fandom. Yeah. This idea that, like, okay, but... But droids are people, right? Yeah. And the answer is sometimes. Yeah, the, you know what? You know, you know who these droids need the help of? One Jean-Luc Picard, who spent an entire episode <laughs> of it's very interesting. The opposite, of course, there are less robots in Star Trek, but yeah. they're always constantly arguing about whether or not they're living sentient beings in that franchise. Well, it's when you have your most prominent robot basically trying to figure out whether or not he's people. Yeah. The entire thrust of the most popular series yeah. of your franchise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is he? It, yeah. Spoilers yes. for the, the, the culmination of his arc is he does become a person. Yeah, pretty sure. In fact, he incorporates all the good and the bad and spoilers for Picard, but it's beautiful. It's it's the best ending to Data's story I could ever imagine. Um, yeah. But uh, boy, uh, this close up of what romance comic did these two come out of? This Han and Luke with their bluest of blue eyes and their kind of longing looks at each other. There's a flirty thing going on Look here because yeah, they're uh, they're trying to get to Luke's ship that he hid under that like yeah. Uh, tarp in the last issue <laughs> the magic tarp that uh made it so you couldn't was it like scanners can't read it or whatever right but uh, but it turns can? out that scanners can't fool the jawas yeah there they go and they've already done a pretty good job stripping this thing down they are efficient little bastards aren't they I mean, if there's one thing we know about Jawas is they don't waste any time. <laughs> but look at this thing. I mean, that thing is down to its very just like base. They've got it down to basically the skeleton of the hull. Yeah. And they're fat, uh, just wheeling it all into their sand crawler here, it's, which. Yeah. One detail about the sand crawler that like really weirded me out in this particular art is the articulated treads. Yes. The fact that they're like at an angle, I was like, oh, I guess that would be something they could probably do. I, I don't know. I always assumed they were like fixed treads, like a tank. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I don't know. This sand crawler is not super to scale either because in every other like live action sand crawler we've seen, there's been like a height verticality yeah. to it. It was like you could walk under one of these things because right. it's so tall. I do also, my favorite Jawas are the two on the loading platform who are going, bring it in, bring it in. Mm -hmm. There we go, mm -hmm. over there. 
Little what? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they're really good. They work as a, you know, they're a great team, the Jawas. Yeah. Uh, so we yeah. got uh, Chewie with a good bark here. Bark. And then it uh, looks like, I better get down there. Hey, you Jawas, knock it off. And the Jawas are like, who the fuck is this guy? Uh, can we talk about the Jawa hands that definitely don't look like Jawa hands? Now I Jawa got, hands are now I got, a lot like Wookiee hands in that like you don't really remember what they actually look like. I know, like. that's why I'm going like, now I have to look up what Jawas look like. They're little furry hands. They got like black hairy hands. Yeah. Yeah, but they, these are weird. These are like scaly. Uh, or maybe they're like wrapped up in like leather gloves. It's tough to say. Oh, yeah. It is because of the, once again, the, yeah, I'm looking at them. Yeah. It's, Add that to your algorithm right there. Jawa hands. Jawa hands. <laughs> it's right up there with Wookiee feet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Guys into weird shit, man. Yeah, they kind of... <laughs> it almost looks like they are already wearing gloves. Yeah. But they're, but um, they're, like, they're like a fur glove. They don't... This this reads as weird to me is all I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's fair. And look, the, the weird, like, really pointy hoods they're also wearing are kind yeah. of like... I don't know. Get a very Legend of Zelda whiz robe vibe from them. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, and so uh, Hans, we go turn the page, and Hans like, "All right, don't piss off the Jawas. We need to make friends with some people because we're in a bind here." And as they talk I, about, they've already mostly stripped the ship down. So what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah, it's not like they're going to put it back together yeah. post haste. Uh <laughs> I really like Han Solo here. I think this is a very Han Solo move. Agreed. This is very much... Uh, this This is one of the rare moments where he really does feel like the character. I love his line about, uh, it's time to be charming. You know, it's like, this is a guy <laughs> who's used to, like, changing tactics, whatever it is to get out of a situation alive or whatever, is just to be like, okay, this requires this. You know, yeah, I mean, I, I like the line here. Promise them anything, kid, as long as they'd agree to get us back to Mos Eisley. Yeah, well, because that's also Han, too, right? It's like, just get the situation going, and then we'll figure out how to get out of it later. Yeah, exactly. And Luke uh, is... Look, the comic book Luke is so much angrier than movie Luke. He's... Let's be perfectly <clears throat> honest. Movie Luke from A New Hope <clears throat> didn't have a lot of character beyond like youthful enthusiasm. I mean, that's right? always, it's the, it's the classic, uh, you know, impression of him and stuff. I, I need to get power converters, you know, like, right. Yeah. And that change, like if you rewatch the movie, like he is pretty whiny in the first half yeah. and in the second half, he sort of buckles it down. He's like, yeah. I gotta help the rebellion. It's not until Empire, though, that we really get, like, decent characterization of Luke. Oh, you mean when, I, like... when a writer who's good at writing characters comes in? <laughs> Maybe. No. Might have something. So, this book kind of vacillates between those two states that we see him in, in A New Hope. Mm -hmm. Kind of page to page, depending on what the scene oh, needs. Oh, yeah. They don't have a strong take on this character. But he so often is like, look at the... He's like, scout. Look at this... Uh, uh, the 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 second panel in the second row there. Where he's just looking at this Joe. He's like, he's fuck. God damn it. Well, I mean, I understand why he's upset. Because they're also promising to sell the droids at this point. Yeah. And, once and again, Luke droids even are, says... Droids are very much people. Because Luke's line here is, 3PO and R2 aren't just robots to me. They're friends. I'd feel like a slaver. 
if yep. he sold them. And yep. it's like, wow, okay, that now we're vacillating back in the other direction. Yes, but I was perfectly fine bleeding them the precious fluids a second ago. And making them effectively dead. Yep. <laughs> Look, I will kill my friends, but I will not sell them. That's uh, a moral stance. <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> I guess, yeah, we're, we're zeroing in on uh, Luke's morality here. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is where we get Han's line about he stashed a bonus from Jabba the Hutt with one T aboard yeah. the Millennium Falcon. So yeah. once we get back to Mos Eisley, we can buy back the droids. Uh-huh. Everything will be fine. Now, uh, I prefer the Mandalorian way of deal- dealing with Jawas and just disintegrating them. <laughs> or getting them a big egg. Either way, why not both, is what Mando said. Um, and then when we go to the next page, we get a lot of comedy from the Sandcrawler being too small for a man of Han Solo's size. Get ready, right, folks. But we, we also have Luke translating, though, saying, like, look, they agreed to take us to Mos Eisley, but only after their current scavenging run, which is going to take them three months across the Jundland Wastes. But three months, we'll dive concussions banging around in these Jawa-sized compartments, kids. You know, they get some. we're doing some bits in here, too. Uh, look, if you're going to have Han Solo walking around in a sand crawler built for Jawas, mm-hmm. there's, I'm there's shocked it wasn't Chewie who hit his head, let's be I, fair. That is true. He just sort of like the considerably taller one. Seems to be getting on just fine. But, uh-oh, what's this? It's a, uh, a Stormtrooper patrol out here going, hey, pull it on over. <laughs> I love I love stormtroopers as patrol officers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean it's that 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 of course that classic long ago sketch of what is it troopers or whatever that's the cops or troops. Yeah, I mean that wasn't even a sketch really. It was like a Star Wars fan film. I think yeah. it is just called Troops. Yeah, uh, you can find it on YouTube these days. It's but it is like very funny. What if what if stormtroopers but cops? Yeah. And it's just the day to day, like, uh, all right, what are we, what are we responding to a call out here? You know, mm-hmm. excuse me, sir. Can, can we? Can you turn the music down? You know, uh, yeah, we got a lot of the same problems with the art on these stormtroopers as we've had in previous issues. Oh, yeah. Their helmets are too buckety. Uh, why are all of them wearing the orange shoulder pads here? That I guess that denotes sand troopers. Yeah, um, that's according to this, they don't have necks. Um, I want to talk about the dewback face in this panel though <laughs> the, the the fact that it's kind of like sinister looking or the fact that you can see both of its eyes staring yeah. forward it's got this weird derpy kind of like but but it's also got this smirk of a face going like <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it knows what's up i don't know it looks more like a pangle in here than an actual giant lizard it's yeah it's weird weird choices <laughs> abound from our friend carmine uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we go to the next page, and it, it, it's basically like, hey, man, get your, shut, shut up, it's the cops, just be cool. <laughs> well, and Luke saying, like, look, these guys are probably going to sell us out, uh, because why wouldn't they? <laughs> Can't we're just a couple of randos no. they found in the desert. Yeah, they're not actually part of the rebellion or anything, so Jesus no. Christ, you know, man, they're going to, they they just want to get out of here and back to business. They don't give a shit about us. And so then Hans goes, uh, great, then we'll murder everyone. <laughs> we get a brief on the top right panel here, a brief return of ape-faced Chewie for some reason. Yeah. He briefly... But it's died. immediately it's immediately gone in the yeah. panel below that. Because they fadow and vabam the hell out of these guys. Okay, here's where we get into the murky uh, ethics of what they're doing here. Because Hans' plan yeah. to, like, 
get the Jawas to go along with them mm-hmm. is to open fire on the stormtroopers, basically making it so the Jawas don't have a choice yeah. in helping them because the stormtroopers now think the Jawas yeah. need to are shooting at them. Oh, you tried <laughs> to explain to them you weren't part of the murder plan. <laughs> <laughs> Some training day bullshit. <laughs> yeah, man. And I love the like, idea of like, wait, no, uh, Chewie, it's going to be a lot easier. Don't shoot at the stormtroopers. Shoot at the ground around them so they fall to their deaths in a horrible avalanche of rocks. Right. Well, because the thing is here is like, okay, if we don't shoot all, if we don't get all the stormtroopers right away, yeah. one of them is going to get a proton grenade off and we're going to be fucked. Yeah. So we got to be able to kill all of them all at once. How do we do that? Start an avalanche. Yep. <laughs> Han, Which they do. This issue is really good at portraying Han Solo as the charming murderer that he is. It's true. Uh, yeah. And there's a huge boom on the next page because guess what? Uh, grenades, even if you don't shoot them directly, will still explode when buried under rubble. And then uh, I just like, all right, move it out. The Jawas are surprisingly cool with all of this. Yeah, they just kind of, the, the, yeah, these Jawas just kind of roll with whatever the situation is. They're like, all right, well, if everybody's dead, then I guess um, back to work, everybody. Yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> All right, here we go. Yeah, yeah, it's it is weird. They the Jawas are kind of a non-entity in this, right? Like they're 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 morally neutral, like or they're neutral to the political discussion at, at play here. Yeah. It's like uh yeah, they can you know, for in return for goods, they'll help the rebels, but if it behooves them to turn them over to the empire, they'll probably do that. But now that the rebels have killed the imperial guards and they're back to I guess we'll help you now cuz that's just kind of whatever's in front of them. Which is weird. They they just have n- nothing to offer. Look, when you're on the Java Express, yeah. John, you just got to keep rolling. That's how it ro- that's how it works. The Java Express stops for no one. If anything, the Java Express is a metaphor for <laughs> political neutrality and how if one tries to avoid making any decisions vis-a-vis the moral implications of a galactic fascistic government, uh, you can get away with it if you got a sandcrawler. Yeah, man, that's it exactly. <laughs> deep book actually now that you think about it uh well, if you really think about it <laughs> if, you, if you really read in and make up a bunch of bullshit then this is really insightful um uh but they have to take the long way around unfortunately they were hoping to avoid the jundland wastes but yeah. now they gotta go through it which we uh, already have been to right because we briefly saw in a previous issue that the house of tag is doing something hinky out there yeah which is what luke says here when we turn the page he's like i don't know House of Tag is up to no good. Those crazy tags. You know how they are. Yeah, they, you know how they be with their cybervision and their imperial ties. They are weird, man. Yeah. So his mission for the Alliance was to find blockade runners. We already knew this. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're driving out into the middle of the Jundland Waste, trying to get back to Mos Eisley. But what's this? We're stopping. And Han hits his head again. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Ow. And then they're like, <laughs> look, it's a vaporator. Uh, yeah, it's a giant evaporator. So evaporators, for those who don't know, are a thing on Tatooine specifically, but any arid planet that like collect moisture. Right. That and, is like that's how moisture farming works. Right. That's the thing here. Yeah. Um, which is always like a clever idea in Star Wars, right? Or like a thing. The idea that like, oh, what you would need is water in a, a desert planet, so there would be value to this kind of yeah moisture farming. I always thought it was like, oh, it's pretty clever. Yeah, and again, Frank Herbert very oh, graciously I, not suing anybody. Yeah, 
he wanted it known. All right, he could have yeah. any time, man. He could have pulled that trigger. He but, could have. He chose not to out of benevolence. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. He. I love all those quotes where he's just like, "I'm gonna let it slide because I'm just that cool a guy." You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's not get upset about anything. Um, yeah. <laughs> don't rock the boat, Frank. Uh, all right. So then, <laughs> when they go there, though, they're like, "Oh no." This uh, uh, evaporator is freezing cold. It's also huge. Yeah. Like normal evaporators are like the size of a person, maybe a little bit taller. These ones jut out of the sands like giant towers. And it looks like they're not the only people who notice because there's another sand crawler in the distance. There's also a second evaporator over on a distant hill. Yeah. And so uh, when we turn the page, I love... Uh, Han uh, uh, wrangling these Jawas and Chewie just picking up a couple? Well, because uh, Luke, through some chilling tingle, uh, goes, Han, Chewbacca, we've got to get the Jawas and ourselves away from this thing fast. And Han, not one to question uh, you know, warnings of danger, is just like, all right, let's get him out of here. Yeah, I, I like Han's line here. Hustle at half pints. The kid's not given to practical jokes. Unlike Chewie the liar. Uh, <laughs> well, he's he's also known as Chewie the Cut Up. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, he's the class clown on the Falcon. Uh, and then all of a sudden, something sweeps the desert plain before the tower. Something impossible. What do you think of the artistic choice here? Because we have our two panels in color. Yeah. Where Luke gives the warning. They're hustling the Jawas away, and then we just get this big, vast, um, expansive landscape that is all whites and blacks. It's cool in concept. I wish they continued that aesthetic to matter at all. Yeah, because it's this idea that like something goes off and it turns the world white for yeah. a second. And I, but then I, I feel like what, the rest of this should be devoid of color. Like, if they had decided to like bleed the whole thing of color once the freezing of this... But no, it just goes right back to the most vivid of colors, as always. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of dig it in that, like, it is I like the representational idea. of like something big and explosive happening, but also nothing's exploding. So that how to get that across? Yeah, no. Like I said, I just wish it. I just wish it had continued into feeling like there's a massive difference beyond just now. Things, some things are frozen. Yeah, because yeah, what we find out is that everything is cold now for some reason on Tatooine with the two suns and everything. That's crazy. What? Well, and Chewie's most concerned at all because he's saying "warog," a classic uh, Wookiee exclamation. And something uh, Archie Goodwin is always trying to get in here. You said it, big buddy. Stop it! Stop that now! <laughs> I, I I need to go back and rewatch the original trilogy because I don't know every. He never says "big buddy." I you can, sure? I well, I can assure you. <laughs> Now I have I also haven't maybe watched closely and certainly not with the intent of that, but I can pretty much guarantee he didn't. Okay. Prove me wrong in the comments below if you if you All right, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want I want receipts on that. But uh Han exclaiming, The whole plane's frozen, and Luke with the rejoinder, not just the plane, look, and on the next page we see a flash frozen sand crawler. Which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool, especially the rainbow shrack we get at the bottom of the page. Yeah, the cracking of the ice. Because it froze so quickly that, like, the metal is shattering in this sand crawler. Yeah. I, was, I, 
I think this is a like we're gonna be dealing with this concept uh, and what this like weapon system is over this issue and the next one. Yeah. I think this is pretty fucking cool, actually. It is, but it will lead to. We'll talk about this more in the next next week's episode. So I'll get and it. next what? week there is a huge logical inconsistency with how this weapon works. Yeah, there's an. We'll it, we'll get into it, next. It issue. is cool, but there's also an impracticality to it that's a little bit sure. like. I don't quite know what end game on this is beyond, well, that's nuts. Um, <laughs> it's yet another uh, wild Imperial super weapon mm-hmm. is what it's going to turn out mm-hmm. to be. Shocking. Um, because now here come the tags to examine how this went. And yeah, immediately we have Baron Tag saying, excellent, excellent. Under the merciless twin suns of this hellpole, hellhole planet, you've achieved this, he says, like gesturing at yeah. the frozen sand crawler. And I love Silas being like, oh, no, no, it's not just the thing. Go inside. All the bodies inside are frozen, too. Don't worry. This thing is merciless. And then yeah. we get my favorite design, which I really want an action figure of, which is Baron Tag in his little parka. Oh, you mean when he's cosplaying as Captain Cold? A hundred percent. Come on, man. And this is uh, Carmen Infantino famous for drawing The Flash. Yeah. <laughs> he's literally just drawing Captain Cold again. He's this has to be on purpose, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, he's gone from Mr. Sinister to Captain Cold. Yeah, I mean, the the blue parka with the white trim around yep. the, the and face then, and, then, and the and, hood. And then when he's got his cyber glasses that look like the goggles. It's uncanny. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is Orman and Silas Tag. Uh, yeah. Orman, of course, being the first name of Baron Tag, the same Baron Tag we've yeah. been dealing with for the last little while. We finally get a name for this weapon, too, which is the Omega Frost. Yeah, look, someone clearly <laughs> read their uh, their Ice Nines and were like... <laughs> yes, the Omega Frost will be activated. <laughs> uh, yeah, like so or, we got two of the Tag Brothers here. They have built this thing out in the middle of the wasteland as like the new weapon that's going to put them on the books for yeah. the Emperor and finally show up that damn Darth Vader. Well, as he says, it's going to be the club with which we beat Darth Vader from the Emperor's favor. That's uh, a mouthful. (laughs) That's a fun villain line right there. (laughs) All of his lines are so evil. Oh, he's so evil. And I, we get into it further in this book as we go along, but the fact that, like, no, no, it's not all of the tags. It's just him. Yeah. Everyone else in the family's like, God, can you give it a rest? (laughs) I do love all the other guys. Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> guy man i mean they're all like vaguely evil but everyone else is a little bit more banal about it. he's just like oh yes and then my revenge will be sh- swift and the rest of them are just going like could you just kill somebody and like not make a thing about it why does it always have to be a thing yeah oh, oh, uh, oh yes so uh, they're discussing the Omega Frost it'll work basically anywhere uh, outside of like the heart of a sun yes um but it turns out they're also super aware that Han and Chewie and Luke are observing them in the distance because it turns out, guess what? You don't just leave an Imperial super weapon laying around in the desert without like a sensor net in the area. Because that's who he's going. He's like, they don't know. We know that they're out there. Get Kenner on the line and order up another troop <laughs> transporter. 
And there it is. Uh, yeah. They come swipping across the ice and they start opening fire on the hill that uh, Luke and friends are ha- hiding out on. And he's specifically one of them is Luke Skywalker. I want him alive to deal with personally. Right. Well, because he even says if uh, units two and three are in position, let's begin hurting them where we want them. So he's like, he's not trying to kill them. He's trying to corral them. Yeah. But he really wants Luke Skywalker specifically because he's on his long list of vendettas. Oh, so many vendettas with this guy. (laughs) That's coming up, isn't it? I can't remember if it's this issue or the next where he's like. Oh, you and your vendetta. Who's not on your vendetta list? Jeez. Like, uh, but crazy. Han and Luke are like, oh, they're shooting at us. Let's try to get away. <laughs> and there they go, running away. Um, uh, and so, and, but, and then Luke does is the one who figures out, wait, they're not trying to kill us. They are trying to hurt us somewhere. Yeah. Even Imperials know to cut off our line of retreat before moving in. Sounds like they've been getting in some of those rebel strategy meetings, kid. <laughs> Wait, wait, Han's the guy going, you actually read the manuals and shit? <laughs> I've just been flying around. I don't know. Jesus Christ. There's a lot of implication in this issue in particular. Just like, actually, Luke's been kind of learning some stuff, like, lately. There is, like, once again, because we are edging closer to Empire Strikes Back coming out, of course. Mm-hmm. and but like, Empire Watch. Yeah, <laughs> it's on the horizon. But no, there is sort of like, okay, well, they, they are ever so slightly pushing Luke forward as a character, knowing they can only do so much because the movie's coming. But they are, they are indicating what, the, what more modern books are trying to fill in the gaps of more consciously about like, well, how do you get the farm kid to the more experienced fighter we meet in Empire? And then, of course, even more so the full-on badass Jedi Knight and Jedi. Mm-hmm. So I'd be curious to know what the timeline is on. Okay, so the movie yeah. Empire Strikes Back yeah. is going to come out before the comic book coverage starts. We've Correct. already yeah. talked about right. that. Yeah, I, I'm curious if the first trailers for Empire Strikes Back have already started coming Ooh, out. That, like, obviously, people don't have the kind of access to them that they would do today. You but, can't but just go on be, YouTube and watch yeah, the trailer. Right. But it would be in front of other films. Yeah. I wonder if I can find... That information, like when did the trailer uh, draw? I, I'll, you work on that. I'll, I'll describe I'll, the bottom of this page because we end with uh, Han very pragmatically being like, look, we're flying blind, Luke. We're scrounging and set, uh, scavenging. And the, the Jawas, they're going to turn on us the first chance they get. Uh, but then Luke turns and starts talking to one of these Jawas. And Luke can apparently speak Jawa, which, sure, fine. He grew <laughs> up here. Why not? Yeah. No, yeah. It's uh, it, absolutely... Uh, but he says the Jawas are grateful because we saved their life. We got them out of the way of the Omega Frost. They're gonna, they want to help us out now. Right. Yes. Exactly. Ooh, that would have been interesting. Now, the year before Empire Strikes Back, you have Star Trek: The Motion Picture and the Black Hole. How crazy would it have been to have gone to Star Trek and get a Star Wars trailer? I don't know if that happened, but I'm saying that would have been interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think the trailer would have been out that soon before. No, that's probably the summer before. It's probably like a full year. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. the, the marketing campaigns for these things didn't um didn't have the like years long rollout like we have right. now where yeah. they they're they're literally making trailers before they've even shot the movie. Uh, <laughs> this is gonna date this episode a little bit, but uh there was a trailer just released for <laughs> uh the new Dragon Age game. Um and it's the first trailer for that game was released in 2018. This current release of a trailer was a trailer for the announcement of what the game is going to be next summer. Right. 
One of one of my favorite things ever uh, is the Alien Three teaser before they'd shot the movie, right? Mm, mm-hmm. And do you know about this? Yes. And, yes, and, yes, and yes. the whole thing is it's all planet Earth, and it's like they're coming here yeah. next summer. You know, that's not, that's not the plot of the movie at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> August fifteenth, nineteen seventy nine, the Empire Strikes Back trailer was released to theaters. Okay, so the trailer for Empire Strikes Back is floating around at this point. And it was so they in have... front of, because you got to keep in mind there's no home video, uh-huh. it was premiered in front of a re-release of the first Star Wars. Oh. We went yes, to yes, see yes, Star yes, Wars yes. and got an exclusive first look at the next Star Wars. That's good marketing right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they talk about it's interesting because it does showcase... Uh, the first tre- teaser was just concept art and still photos. Interesting. So they actually don't really have a sense of what the movie is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. And uh, there, the, the, and there's a couple things, but they talk about like they really held back uh, Yoda in the early trailers. Oh yeah. I mean, if you go into Star Wars knowing that Yoda is there, yeah. there would be this like knee-jerk reaction to ridicule the film, right? Because like, what's this puppet shit? But I think the initial first trailer we're talking about that premiered almost a full year before the movie was just uh, Star Wars titles, concept art, and apparently Harrison Ford narration. Cool. Going like, well, next summer it begins, you know, the one that... <laughs> The Empire will strike back. Yeah, the Empire is going to strike back or something. <laughs> Speaking of striking back, yeah. uh, so yeah. moments later, the Imperial troop gets over the rise and it's coming right at them. They're hoping to herd uh, Luke and friends uh, into a trap. Well, but what's this? It's a sand crawler coming right at them. It's the Jawa Express. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> and we see this uh, Imperial uh, troop transport turn over and kids everywhere were like, oh, cool. I've done that with my toy. Yeah, they... The, the troop transport jackknifes to get out of the way of the uh, the the sand crawler and ends up toppling over. Uh, all the troops go spilling out and Baron Tag has to pry his way out because he was in the front of this thing. Which I don't... Tag being in the transport seems like he'd have his own vehicle and would probably let those guys go first and get killed. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, but... But Orman specifically yeah. is the guy to be like, I will see to this myself. And then here goes the, there goes the sand crawler driving away into the distance. And all I can think of, because it's 19, oh, it's 1980, but this is still probably written in 79. This has a real, we got a great big convoy to get around the world. <laughs> we got a trucking convoy. <laughs> They're pulling down the Jundland Waste and just yeah. like going in the opposite direction. You see Burt Reynolds yeah. in a big He's rig. Down and down, loaded up and trucking. <laughs> hey, uh, pretty good there. <laughs> hey, man. Number two movie of 1977, lest we forget, Smokey and the Bandit. Insane. Insane. Oh, that, was the, that was the second biggest movie of that year. And the movie that Fox is like, we're going to get destroyed by. Star Wars is in real trouble because it can't compete with Smokey and the Bandit. People, I, like now he's such a comic figure to people, but legitimately, Burt Reynolds was the number one movie star in the world at this point. Absolutely, yeah. sure. He was huge. So yeah, there they go, though. Escaping in, gotta be one of the slowest moving vehicles in all of Star Wars. 
it's up there. It's, yeah. it's definitely up there. They are just trucking uh, along. I, I think it's maybe only beat out by the AT-AT in terms of yeah, like ponderous speed. God, the AT-AT is mostly about intimidation factor, right? You're just hoping everybody yeah. runs away from the size of that thing. Uh, well, and I mean, it can get over certain terrain features that things with yeah. wheels couldn't. Yeah. But again, we're living in a world where a lot of the vehicles hover, so I don't know why that would be a concern. Right, right, yeah. The AT-ST <laughs> moves a little bit more, you know. Yeah, yeah, that thing's gonna traverse a little faster. Yeah, so here we uh, go. Though now, now we've got, uh, here come more troop carriers, though. Right, because Baron tags like, look, those two troops that were waiting to ambush these guys, bring them in. They now we got a chase going on. And what is Chewie throwing out of the? Uh, they're fuel containers. Uh, they're like, okay, this oh, thing doesn't have any weapons. He calls it Skyhopper propellant. So Skyhoppers are like the little uh, ships that. Uh, like uh, it, Luke flies back home to target Womp Rats. Oh yeah, what is the T sixteen? T sixteen Skyhopper. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so they and drop he, a bunch of those canisters out behind the back of the sand crawler. He mentions here tagging Womp Rats. Yeah, blast the way these lum- this lumbering monstrosity rattles and shakes. Still, shouldn't be any tougher than uh, potting Womp Rats I from a land speeder with Uncle Owen's outmoded old energy rifle. There you Though, go. come to think of it. That was pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he, don't worry, he fatoom, fatoom, fatooms. He does fatoom. And Three some like. Pink fatooms. Yeah. Purple and pink fatooms. And stuff blows up. And he hits those uh, things and it creates a fucking wall of a fire behind them. Wall of fire. The <laughs> desert is ablaze. Look, you lay down some, like, jet fuel on sand and then light that shit with a laser blast, yeah. it's going to go up. Yeah, 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 it's pretty good. Um, so, yeah, that goes up, and, it, yeah, no, it's great. Um, what what gets me is the troop transports are now, like, careening to get out of the way, except one of them goes headfirst into the wall of fire and then just explodes. Because you have, this is total, like, rules of action movies, right? Like, if there is yes, fire yes. and a vehicle, a vehicle must explode. It just, I'm sorry, that's just what has to happen. <laughs> I do, when you know what I like is the one burning stormtrooper body being thrown... Yeah, yeah, that's pretty it, grim. It's mostly like twisted metal of the carrier, but you do see one guy's corpse being tossed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This ain't this ain't like a team where guys are gonna walk no. away from this uh, van roll. Particularly in this issue, so many people get killed. Our heroes yeah. kill so many people in this issue. <laughs> Uh, but and they're they're free. They're away. Because you can't stop the Jawa Express, man. You can't stop the Jawa there Express. There it goes. It, this is the 420 to uh, most Eisley, and it ain't going to get slowed down. <laughs> no, yeah. They just, I mean, that's basically kind of what they do. They just barrel forward through these guys is sort of what ends up happening here. And then. Well, uh, and here's where we get really morally ambiguous because, yeah. okay, we, we got away, but yeah. there's no way they're going to let us walk away from this. Right. Thankfully, the Jawas are so happy with what we've done for them that they've put some of their crungy-ass fluids into 3PO and R2, so they're back up and Whatever we had lying around in a bucket. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so no. So yeah, our our droid friends are back up, and then it's like, hold on, wait a minute. Uh, 
the, basically, 3PO's just like, well, they have coolant, so they revived us with coolant, so can't we just put that back in our land speeder? Oh, yeah. And that's what they do. Yeah. So, here's where it gets a little morally ambiguous. They know the Imperials are going to be coming after this, land, yeah. this uh, sand crawler. Yeah. And they just dip. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like he even says earlier in the page here yeah they said that saved us luke for the moment but they're bound to have signaled ahead to most Eisley. yeah but we can't exactly sneak into there with a sand crawler right so like the empire is on the lookout for the sand crawler so we'll go back to most Eisley with a land speeder yeah and leave these jawas to face imperial wrath right and they're cool with that? Yeah, man. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the ends justify the means kind of thing, right? When it comes to the rebellion. <laughs> well, and and Luke has this line. It's like, and our Jawa friends can lose themselves in the Dune Sea. Oh, it'll, it'll be, be fine. fine. They, Han, they drive around her all the time. It'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> they know the back alleys of the giant flat deserts of Tatooine. And so there they go. Uh, and they go like, well... We survived, which is good, but Tag is still going to be doing his shenanigans, but we know about him, and uh, yeah, well, we'll have to figure that out in the next issue. We got to tell the Rebellion, but unfortunately, we find out in the depths of space, Luke Skywalker versus Baron Tag, the confrontation we've all been waiting for in Saber Clash. In Saber Clash 80. Uh, <laughs> Sunday, yeah. Sunday, Sunday. Oh, yeah. It's Luke Skywalker versus Baron Tag in a no-holds cage match to the death. Um, yeah, no, it is. Eh, like, it, it won't be that. <laughs> no, but I, I do just like the idea of like, is this, I, I guess... You're going to finally get to see these two clash. And you're like, cool. The moment you introduce a character who is using a lightsaber, yeah. who has a thing against Darth Vader, yeah. and is also a bad guy, yeah. your first thought is like, well, okay, he's going to have a lightsaber fight with Luke Skywalker, yeah. right? Well, like, it just has to happen. It's also another thing, once again, they don't want to infringe on the movie. So it's like, well, we need to give somebody, we need to give a character create a character who Luke could lightsaber fight with because he obviously can't really duel with Vader because we don't know what's going to happen in the next movie. Right, exactly. So it's like we basically have to have a Vader stand-in so we can get a lightsaber duel. Is he a cyborg? Check. Is he an Imperial lackey? Yeah. Check. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Does he have yeah. a lightsaber? Triple check. Okay, yeah. there we go. Yeah. And But, but but oh, well, wait, we'll put one turn out with actually this guy hates Darth Vader. Oh, wow, yeah. Now we're, now we're thinking, yeah. So anyway, we'll get that epic saber clash next week on yeah. May the Panel Be With You. But uh, in the meantime, if you want more of this show and all the shows from the Bunch of Entertainment Network, head over to our patron page, which is patron.podbean.com slash punchup. Once again, that's patron.podbean.com slash punchup. There you get cool exclusive bonus content, as well as help support all the shows here on the network. That's true. Uh, and if you're just listening to this podcast, please come on over to the YouTube page. You can see all of these wacky things that we're talking about on the page here. Uh, comic books are a visual medium. We feel it is the, the best way of appreciating the show is where how we can uh, show, show it and share it with you. And if you do so, please hit like, follow, subscribe, all that stuff on the YouTube page. Uh, come down in the comments below. Uh, let us know who uh, are, are droids people. Are you droids mean, people? Can we answer this on YouTube real right quick. now? Are droids people? Are droids people? <laughs> Let us know in the comments yeah. below. You know what? And if, if anyone does recall that, I, I got to go with the next generation thing where Picard's like, I don't know, but do you want to take a chance that you're wrong? 
Mm. And I think that's the best thing. He's like, I can't say, but you also can't say they're not. I don't know. I don't know. But I think that's going to do it for us this week on May the Panel Be With You. Because as always, I've been Mike Gergoni. I'm John Campbell. And may the panel be with you. Thank you.